Welcome to Bethlehem Covenant Church's sermon podcast. We pray that you will be blessed as you listen to this message. Okay, for our Easter message this morning, if you'd have your Bibles there, turn with me to Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. This beautiful scripture, Matthew 28, 1 to 10, and it says this. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There had been a violent earthquake, and an angel of the Lord had come down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat upon it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid and yet filled with joy, and they ran to tell the disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them on the road. Greetings, he said. And they came and clasped his feet, and they worshipped him. And Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid. Go and tell the brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. I love the words of the angel here in our scripture when he says, I know you're looking for Jesus. He's not here. He is risen. Come and see. And then the angel shows them the empty tomb and then says, go get the disciples. Tell them Jesus is risen and he'll meet all of you in Galilee. And then the angel says, now I've told you. And it's, it's like his job is done. He was just the messenger to relay that on to them, you know, sent down to roll away the stone, scare off a couple Roman soldiers, and then tell the first ones who came to the tomb, Jesus is risen, just as he said. And now that the angel has done that, he can go back to heaven, and it's up to the two women, it's up to both Marys who come to the tomb to go and tell the disciples, uh, to, and then to, up to them to believe and to find Jesus and to, to go and tell the next people. Um, it's interesting that before the women can even get to the disciples uh, with the good news, on the way there, Jesus appears to them. And, and before the disciples can even get to Galilee, um, we read in the Gospel of John that Jesus appears to them in the upper room. So it's, it's like the Lord just can't wait to tell people he's alive. You know, I mean, the angel said, he'll meet you in Galilee, you know, <laughs> and Jesus is there revealing himself to the two women who come out to the tomb. He's revealing himself to the disciples in the upper room. In the Gospel of Luke, we reveal, we read that he reveals himself to two men on the road to Emmaus. Jesus just can't wait uh, to the Galilee. He's got to let them know already that he is alive. And um, he shows them his hands and his feet there in the upper room. He shows them the spear gash in his side, and they believe in him. I mean, these guys, they watched him die. They thought that this whole thing was over. But here he is, alive again. Their hearts are overjoyed. I mean, Jesus had told them that this was going to happen. He told them ahead of time 
that he would be handed over to the Gentiles. He would be mocked and flogged and spit upon and they would kill him. But on the third day, he would rise again. He told them this. The scripture prophets even spoke about these kind of things. But it didn't register with them. They didn't understand what he was saying. And they didn't believe it until it happened. Until he made himself then known to them and said, Look, I am alive. Just as I said. One of the disciples, Thomas, he wasn't with the disciples the first time that Jesus appeared, so he didn't believe. Even though all of his friends kept telling him it's true, it's why he gets the name Doubting Thomas in the Bible. He didn't believe it was possible. But then we're told again, this is all still before Galilee, but we're told that Jesus shows up, makes a special trip, and we read about it in John 20, where he appears to Thomas. And says, hey, stop doubting and believe. And all Thomas could say to that was, my Lord and my God. And as quickly as Jesus would appear before them, he would again be gone. And so the disciples go up to Galilee, like Jesus had told them to do. And we read that he appeared to them on the shore while they were fishing. Uh, John 21 tells the story of how they weren't catching fish all night long and they were discouraged. And, and so early in the morning, a man shows up on the shore and he shouts for them to cast their nets on the other side of the boat. And as soon as they did, all of a sudden, there's this miracle. All these fish jump into their nets. They have this miraculous catch of fish. And upon seeing that, John says, it's the Lord. I mean, who else could do this? And Peter, seeing it too, he believed, and being Peter, <laughs> the go-getter, he just jumped out of the boat and into the water, and he swam to the shore. He had to get right to Jesus. He didn't care about the fish, the boat, his friends who had to bring it all in or nothing. He was just out of the boat, into the water, swimming over to Jesus. And, and then there the Lord was, right there on the shore. And he invites the disciples to have breakfast, we read in John 21. And Peter and Jesus have this beautiful conversation, really personal there, where Jesus assures Peter that even after, you know, failing and denying him three times, man, Peter is still his guy to lead these disciples and tell the world about him. We read that at least four times the disciples saw Jesus before he ascended into heaven on the Mount of Olives. But even though he wouldn't be physically with them in the same way, the Lord was still there with them. For he left us the Holy Spirit and he promised those disciples that at any time that they needed him, all they had to do was pray and to ask him. And he even told them that he would be with them to the end of the age. And, and so as we read throughout the rest of the New Testament, we see this truth unfold of the risen Lord. For the risen Lord is at work among them. The, the book of Acts, we see that Jesus is still healing and still speaking, still working, but he's now doing it through his people. He's doing it through the Holy Spirit and they can see his hand of miracles for they are the body of Christ and he is working among them. He is risen. Just as he is today, my friends. Just as today, he is risen and among us. I'd like to ask you this Easter morning, how is your faith? Really, honestly, how is your faith doing? 
You know, have you been looking for Jesus lately? Have you been been trusting and believing in him in your circumstances and in your life and in, in our world? You know, or have you been forgetting that Jesus is alive, <laughs> that he has overcome the grave and that he is with you right now? He is not in a tomb. He is not far away. He is the Lord. He has risen from the dead and he is Lord. And if you believe in him right now and you trust him for what is before you, that he died for your sins and that you bear them no more and that he rose from the grave to give you a new life, a forever, eternal, everlasting life with him. You don't need to be afraid anymore. He is risen. I want to read for you two verses that have meant a lot to me, especially this year, and I'll, I'll tell you why in a minute. But the two verses are 1 Peter 1, verse 3 and 4. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who in his great mercy has given us new birth into a living hope that is from the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, but is kept in heaven for you. I read these two verses at the cemetery of every funeral I do, and I have for the last 20 plus years. I've read them so many times that I have them memorized, and I have thought about them so much. But these words were written by Peter, the same Peter I've just been talking about. Peter who first met, you know, Jesus there in the gospel when he was a fisherman there and, and he's dropped his nets and followed the Lord along with his brother Andrew. Peter was there all three years with Jesus, listening to all the sermons, watching all the miracles. Peter had this great big heart. He wanted so bad to make Jesus happy. He was the first one to confess Christ and the only one to believe that he could could walk on water, which he did until he got scared by those waves. Peter was this great guy, but he was just a guy. He was just a guy from a small town. He was a nobody until he met the Lord and the Lord invited him to come and follow. And Peter said yes to the Lord. And he got to see all these amazing things that the Lord would do. Peter came to believe in him and to trust him. And as the time for Jesus to go to the cross came near, Peter didn't want the Lord to die because he thought that that would be it. You know, he didn't want Jesus to go to the cross. And he even told him it would never happen. And, and Jesus had to say to Peter, Peter, you don't know the things of God. I got to do this for you. And then at the Last Supper, Jesus told Peter that Peter was even going to deny knowing him three times before the rooster crowed. And Peter said, no way, Lord, I'll never deny you. I'm with you to the end. But Jesus knew he would fail. Even though he loved Peter and he knew that Peter loved him, Jesus knew spirit is willing sometimes, but our flesh is so weak. And so he said to Peter, I'm praying for you, Peter, that when, you know, that your faith wouldn't fail and that once you turn back, you would strengthen your brothers. There's great mercy in the words of Jesus there. Well, Peter did deny knowing the Lord, and Jesus did die on that cross. And Peter didn't understand it. For three dark days, he didn't understand it. All the disciples, they didn't get it. They thought it was over, and they thought, how could this be that Jesus died? But just when you think Peter's faith was going to fail, and that all the disciples were just going to go home, there was a knock at the door early Sunday morning. And it's Mary, out of breath, because she had just ran from that tomb like the angel had told her to do. And as soon as she tells Peter 
The stone's been rolled away. We've seen the Lord. Faith returns to Peter, and he just runs for that tomb. Peter just goes running. Like Forrest Gump, he just took off, you know, and ran for that tomb. He loved the Lord. That was all the hope he needed. And so Peter looked in at that empty tomb, as did John, and they saw the grave clothes lying there. They saw the face cloth that was around his face still lying there on the bench folded up. And it says they believed. Even before seeing the Lord, Peter knew it. And then, of course, he goes and sees the Lord, and he has all these wonderful resurrection experiences with him. But in our scripture, Peter, in these 1 Peter 1, 3, and 4, Peter is trying now to write about it. He's trying to write about and make sense of the resurrection and what it means. What does Easter really mean to you and me and to him and all? He's, what does it matter to us that Jesus was risen from the dead? And, and the words that he says in these two verses have come to mean so much to me. For Peter seems to say three things about why Easter matters so much to you and me and to him. He says first, Peter says, in God's great mercy, because of the resurrection, he has given us new birth. Okay? Peter knew the mercy and grace of God. How did he know it? Through the cross and through the resurrection. Peter knew he wasn't a saint, but a sinner whom Jesus loved. He knew the grace of God that Jesus would get into his boat and change his life forever. Peter knew that Jesus chose him. He didn't first choose Jesus. He can see that looking back. His whole life has been a gift. Even getting to walk with Jesus those three years has been a gift. And the cross, Jesus or Peter knew that cross communicated the love and the mercy of God for him. Peter knew his sin and that he failed. Jesus still loved him enough to die for him and then appeared to him after the resurrection. And this is a beautiful fact. Jesus never brings up Peter's failure and sin after the resurrection. He knows Peter's already remorseful for it. So he just comforts Peter instead. The Lord never stopped loving him and being faithful to him. Even when we fail him in sin, Jesus still loves us. And Peter knows because of this, because of God's great mercy, he's got new birth. He's got a new life. He's got a brand new vision for tomorrow. He's completely a different guy because of Jesus. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, It is by grace you have been saved through faith. This not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so no one can boast. Peter says it's because of God's mercy that he has given us new birth. And that word is born again. Peter is a brand new man. Peter connects his new life and, and, and new sense of purpose and, and identity and everything to the resurrection of Jesus. Because the resurrection of Jesus isn't just that the Lord is risen, but he sees it as that he is also risen. Raised up from the old life, from the pit that he was in, into a new life, loved child of God forgiven and filled with the Spirit, looking forward to the kingdom to come. Peter is a brand new man because of Jesus. 
And all the New Testament writers speak of the cross and the resurrection like this. It wasn't just something that happened to Jesus. It was something that happened to them on the inside. Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ now lives in me. The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul is saying the way I used to live and what I lived for and my own attempts at righteousness and all my sin in my past, boy, that was nailed to the cross with Jesus and I bear it no more. I'm a brand new guy now because of Jesus. Listen to his words in Colossians 3.1. He says, since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. It's where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. Do you hear that language of these early disciples, of Peter and Paul and the others? This is their story. What happened to them? For they put their faith in him. And so it wasn't just that Jesus died and rose again. They too were crucified on that cross. And they got a brand new life because of him. The Old Testament prophets spoke like this too. In Jeremiah and Ezekiel, they said that the Lord would cleanse us out of all of our sin. And that he would put a new heart in us. And he would put a new spirit and new life in us. And he would, you know, remove that heart of stone from us. And he would put his spirit in us to move us to follow his decrees and laws. And so the resurrection for Peter and Paul and all the disciples was that they were no longer the same guys. They were now free of their past because of the cross, and they had new life in Jesus Christ because of the resurrection. He was alive in them. This is what the resurrection in Easter means to us. It means our resurrection. We are brand new in Jesus. Second thing Peter says the resurrection means is that we got a living hope now that we didn't have before. And hope is important in life, to have hope. Jeremiah 29 11 says for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans not to harm you but to give you hope to give you hope and a future my grandma would always read for me Isaiah 40 29 to 31 where it says even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary, and they will walk and not be faint. I have gone to that scripture so many times when I have felt weary, when I have been sad or discouraged, or like I was facing something that was too big for me and feeling like everything was falling apart in my life, which it wasn't, but it felt like it at the time, wondering how am I going to make it through this? But the Lord was always there. He was the one who was always there with me, and I am never alone. He is our living hope because he is the living God, and he enters into our life, and we face our circumstances with him from now on. And he loves us, and he helps us. And I have felt his presence in these moments. I have had his comfort and his guidance, and he has brought this verse to my mind over and over again to remind me he's got this. Hope 
hope to, is to keep fighting today. Keep doing the right thing. Keep running the race. Keep believing in him who is going to work and to make it possible. Paul writes in Philippians, I know whom I believe that he is able to guard that which I have entrusted to him until that final day. Hope, because in him there is now no condemnation. Even when I do the worst, I got hope. If I just confess my sins, he is faithful and just. He will forgive me my sins and purify me from all unrighteousness. Hope, he is a forgiving God. Hope, because if God is for us, who can stand against us? Hope, because his grace is always sufficient. Hope, because nothing can separate us from his love. Hope, because his word is there to guide us and his spirit is there to empower us. Hope, because his peace passes understanding and his promises never fail. Sin and suffering are real. They are so real. But God is bigger. And no matter what happens, no matter how dark it gets, no matter where we go or how bad we've messed up, no matter what is happening in the world around us, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Where is your faith? Where is your hope today? It is in Christ. In Christ alone. There is hope be just because he lives. Jesus told his disciples that in this world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. For Peter, the death and resurrection of Jesus meant he overcame the world. And there is hope in all the sin, in all the death, that, that nothing is impossible with God. He's risen. He's alive today. He's at work today in you and me in this world. His hope, you know, our hope should never be in a thing, should never be in an idea, should never be in ourself, should never be in a government or something happening the way that we want. Our hope always has got to be in the living God who would not fail us, who has proved that over and over. And I really need to hear that again because life can be hard. And at times I can get discouraged and down and overwhelmed. I've seen people I really care about have to go through divorces, face cancer, addictions, or loss of loved ones. Really, really hard things. Life is tough. Sometimes I can fear. Someone told me recently that the line between hope and fear is a very small line. And too many days we cross that line and live in fear instead of the hope we have in Christ and waiting on him and trusting in him in those moments. He is our strength, the love, the assurance we need. Too often we're tempted to despair when he has told us, don't be afraid. Nothing is impossible with God. God is with you today. I had a moment this is past week that was really beautiful. I had someone call me and want to meet me and we met at this gas station. We had sandwiches and we were talking about uh, one of their friends who was going through some terrible addictions. And, and this guy who was talking to me, you know, he's been through some of his stuff too. And as we're sitting talking there about it, this woman comes up, she's 33 years old and she is 
She has gone through many painful, difficulty things in her life. She admitted that some of them were her own fault and other things have been happened to her. Um, but she had had struggles with addictions and things as well. But over the last nine months, she's been sober. And she says the reason is she's found hope in God. She's found a strength greater than hers. And she was able to lean into that. And so she said she would go and help and talk to this, this young man that my friend had been worried about who was battling addictions and, and losing his life, really. And then as we're talking, the three of us there, the manager of the cast station comes out and sees us talking. And she shares about some of her experiences and her faith in Christ and how God has gotten her through things. And I am sitting there and I am just amazed at the Lord. He is so present and he is working in our lives. And, and he is showing up. He brought four strangers basically together at a gas station and reminded them to not fear that he is working all things out. And I just love that. He is here. We have hope every day. He is working. He is working all things out. But third and finally, Peter says the resurrection means to him as well an inheritance. He says in our verse, we have this living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who by faith are shielded by God's power until that day. That word inheritance was a big word back in Bible times. It meant family. If you were part of a family, you had an inheritance, you know? And, and so what the Bible says and what Jesus taught and what we believe is that on that cross, he died for all our sins, that we might become children of God. And he was risen from the grave and he conquered death. Death has lost its thing. And so Jesus said, I'm the resurrection life. If you believe in me, you know, if you receive me, you get to become a child of God. And all that is my father's is now yours along with me. John 1.12 says, to all who receive him, to all who believe in his name, he gives the right to become children of God. It's an inheritance. It's for the child of God. And when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we become a child of God. And we don't got to worry when we die because we got a home with him forever. And no one can take it away from you. On the night Jesus was arrested, he told his disciples beforehand, he says, don't let your hearts become troubled. Don't be afraid, for in my Father's house are many rooms, and I go there to prepare a place for you. And if I go there to prepare a place for you, I will come back to take you where I am. And I have learned more about this verse from my trips to Israel and seeing how houses were built back then. For back in Bible times, families had a home, and a family home was, was when a son grew up and got married. The dad would just build an addition onto the house. He would build an additional room onto the house for that son and wife to live. And the house just kept expanding with the, the family members. And so this is what Jesus was talking about, that in my father's house are many rooms, and I'm going there to prepare one for you. He's talking like this, that in him we're welcomed into the family of God where we get to live with him forever. Jesus told the criminal on the cross who believed in him, said, today you're going to be with me in paradise. We've got to look forward like this. Death isn't the end. Peter and Paul and those disciples and early followers of Jesus, they weren't afraid to die because they knew where they were going and they were looking forward to it. I am 46 years old now, and I have had to say goodbye to many loved ones in this life. 
I have done hundreds of funerals for people in the church. For example, this past year, I did a funeral for Mansell McGill and another for Dale Johnson, two people that I got to know real well. Dale and I used to joke about a lot of stuff. We had many coffees and rolls together, and I got to see his workshop where he made all these beautiful things out of wood, and I got to see how much he loved Evelyn. I mean, he was a great guy. And Mansell was too. He was always the first one to church. He would sit with me in the entranceway, have a coffee, and, and he would always have to add some cold water to it because he never liked it hot. And we would just sit there on Sunday morning. We would talk, waiting for people to come so that he could open the door for them and hand them a bulletin. These are two guys I have known and loved. And this Easter, they're with Jesus. I mean, let that blow you away. Think about that. We were just with those two guys. But this year, they're with Jesus. Can you imagine what that's like? I mean, this is going to be us one day. We don't know when, but one day we're going to die or Jesus is going to return. But either way, our future is secured with our Lord. He has prepared a place for us. And so it's not sad. It's the most amazing and wonderful thing. We get to spend eternity with God in paradise. And I had so many conversations about heaven with Mansell because he was really looking forward to going. He missed Alice, his wife, and he was ready. His body didn't function and feel that great anymore. And he knew this life wasn't everything. It was fading and decaying. But where he was going, he was going to be forever. No more sin. No more evil. No more sickness. No more pain. No more death. This morning, we celebrate the resurrection, that Jesus was the first to rise, and we will follow. Mansell is already alive today. He's not in the grave. He's not lost forever. He is alive today. He put his faith in Christ and the resurrection and the life, and he is now in his inheritance. He's seeing Jesus, and one day we will too. The angel said, don't be afraid. I know you're here looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He's risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay and then go quickly and tell the others. Peter said in 1 Peter 3.15, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord and always be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that you have. For in his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. Happy Easter, everybody. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. We hope you are able to join us in worship again soon. To stay up to date with all of Bethlehem Covenant Church programs and events, head to bccwaverly.org.